speak, and uh, I just want to kind of give you a heads up. I'm going to share a story at the end of my sermon today, so get your hearts ready, get your minds ready, okay? Um, you might think I'm a little crazy, and I'm okay with being a little crazy. I've been called crazy my whole life, so it's all good, all right? But I hope that you're having a good morning, and here's the truth this morning, is that you walk in authority. You know that? You walk with some authority in your life because of who Jesus is and who you are in him. Because in fact, you need that authority because Paul would tell us, and he wrote to us through the letter he wrote to the church of Ephesus. He wrote this in Ephesians 6, 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Listen, your enemy is not your in-laws. You with me? Your mother-in-law is not your enemy. Your boss is not your enemy. That kid at the school that drives you crazy is not your enemy, right? Eh. He's not your enemy. We are not, we, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Our fight is against the darkness and those who run the, that darkness. And there's darkness in this world. There's darkness here. You can't, if you, like if you opened your eyes, you'd see how this darkness has invaded the earth and and how it has oppressed and, oppressed and how, how it has taken hold of people's lives. But our, 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 we rest, our war is not against flesh and blood, but it's against Satan and his demons. Like you do realize you're at war. You with me? You're at war with the darkness. Not only is he trying to, as believers, oppress you, but he's trying to take your families and your kids and this world with him. And I believe that we should put every devil in hell on notice. That we will, we will fight tooth and nail. We will charge hell with a water pistol. You with me? I will leave smelling like smoke if I have to. Because I'm tired of the people that I live, work, and play with being bound by things that, that are dark. But we are, we are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. But the good news is this, friends. Matthew was clear. That even though we are at war with one kingdom, we are part of a kingdom that is advancing by force, doing violence against this darkness. And I'm here to tell you that when God messes up your program, when God messes up your program, which has been the whole point of this series that we've been in, when he messes up your, your program, when, you're, when, when, when you get a word for this season and stop living on last season's word, when you hear and flow in the same direction of his voice, you will have strength and power to face whatever the enemy throws at you because you walk in authority found in Jesus. See, the enemy wants to exploit and oppress your weaknesses. He wants to oppress you, and, and, this, and this oppression can look like many things. It can look like infirmity or fear or weakness, heaviness, anxiety, or intimidation. Have, have you ever felt any of those? Have you ever felt inadequate for whatever season you're in? Listen, I still feel inadequate raising four kids. I feel inadequate sometimes when I'm sitting across the desk from a student trying to talk about life. Sometimes I walk in a room of people who are so much smarter than me and I'm intimidated. 
Sometimes I get anxious about things. I'm I'm one of those, like, if if I want something, I want it now. Or if I need something done, I want it done now. Or, I, or at least I like to know, hey, here's what's going to happen here six months from now. Like, that's me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, that's, I have anxiety for that. That's why I'd rather just go ahead and get things done because I know it'll get done. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sometimes waiting for Zane or Lyric to do something, I'm like, like we've asked Lyric to clean her room for 14 years. <laughs> I ain't lying. We started asking her preconception. But he tries to oppress us, and it can look like fear. It can look like infirmity or weakness, heaviness, anxiety, or intimidation. And why is that? Why does he try to oppress those who are believers? Because you can't be possessed if you're a believer. You're going to be oppressed. He will keep you from walking, and he's trying to keep you from walking in tune with God's voice. And if he can keep you from walking in tune with God's voice, he'll keep you from walking in the power and authority that you have in his name. And the, the power and the authority that the cross has given us. You see, I've got more faith in the power of God to save me than the power of the enemy to deceive me at this point. That's why Ephesians 6.11 says this, put on God's complete set of armor provided for us that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies or the schemes of the devil or the accuser. Friend, your enemy, the devil, is a defeated foe. He's already lost, and he's trying to take you with him. But the good news is he is defeated, and that's why in Revelation 12.10 it says this, when I heard a trumpet, a, a, the, when I heard a triumphant voice in heaven proclaiming, "Now salvation and power are are set in place, and the kingdom kingdom reign of our God and the ruling authority uh, of His anointed one, are, anointed ones are established." For the accuser of our brothers, Satan and sisters, who relent, who relentlessly, relentlessly accused them day and night before our God, has now been defeated, cast out once and for all. They conquered him. Who's they? Us. They conquered him completely through the blood of the lamb, the cross, the sacrifice, and the powerful word of his testimony of what he has done in our lives. They triumphed triumphed because they did not love and cling to their own lives even when faced with death. So rejoice, you heavens, and every heavenly being, but woe to the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you with great fury, because he knows his time is short. The enemy knows he's defeated. And he's just trying to take as many with him as possible. Because if he can keep you, I'm going to tell you, if you're a believer, you're safe in here, but he will try to oppress you to to stop your, your testimony from getting out of what God wants to do. God's done in your life. See, we fight for God's voice. But we don't fight as in someone in a losing battle. We fight from victory, not for victory, because the victory is already ours. We fight from victory, not for victory, because it's already ours. He's already defeated. But listen. The enemy and his demons are trying to do everything they can to prevent the breakthrough that is arriving. 
And you gotta know this morning that the enemy, the enemy, if the enemy wasn't so threatened by with your destination, he wouldn't be pushing against you so hard. He wouldn't keep throwing up your past, throwing up family issues, throwing whatever your situation is right now. He wouldn't keep throwing that in your face if God didn't have a destination for you. In fact, he says he, his destination for you is more than you can think, dream, or imagine. So imagine the best scenario in your life. Guess what? God's plan for your life is better, and the enemy wants to distract you from that. He wouldn't be trying so hard to stop your journey. And if, you, if, you, if, you, if, you, if Only if we would realize that there are, are, there are entire families, entire workplaces, entire sports team, whatever, wherever you live, work, and play, that is waiting for your obedience to breaking off every agreement that you have with darkness. And waiting for your obedience and letting God mess up your program and walk in line with his voice. Like whole generations are waiting for your obedience. And it's time for some of us to take authority in the places that we find ourselves, in the environments that we find ourselves. We're going to look at a story today, and I want to get in. And then we're going to look. I'm going to tell you a story, a true story that happened in Luke eight twenty two through twenty three. It says this: One day Jesus said to his disciples, "Let's go in a boat and go across to the other side of the lake." Here's the thing: If I was the disciples at this point, every time that Jesus tells us to get in the boat. What happens? A storm comes. It's like, now Jesus, we'll walk. <laughs> We're good. We're good. We know every time you comment, but listen, I get a little seasick. I don't feel like throwing up today. <laughs> but anyways, anyways. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go in a boat and go across the other side of the lake. So reluctantly, they set sail. So they set sail. Soon Jesus fell asleep. And that's an interesting point. We'll talk, I'll just talk about it in a second. Jesus fell asleep. The wind rose, and the fierce wind became violent, a, uh, became a violent squall and threatened to swamp their boat. And here's the truth this morning. Is Jesus is not scared by your current situations and your storms. The fact that he falls asleep knowing that a storm's coming shows me that he is not scared of what you're facing in your life. And if he takes resident in your life, yeah, we may be in a scary moment, but we can, we can approach it with boldness, knowing that he has it. His hands are on it. He will get us through. Jesus is not scared by your current situations or your storm. Listen, it's not news to him that you're going through this. Like When you pray about it, he's not surprised. Oh, I can't believe that happened. I'm sorry. No, no, he knew. And, he, and now we have a choice inside of that storm. Do we place our faith in him? Or do we try to fix it ourselves or find some other way to cope with what's going on in our lives? Because listen, I'm going to tell you, if you find some other way other than Jesus, you're opening up the door for the demonic to come in. You with me? If you leave a door cracked, they're going to get in. Jesus isn't scared by your current situations in your storm. But he goes on to say this. So the disciples woke Jesus up and said, now listen, now, now I'm going to pause here just for a second because I know we read stories like this. And what the disciples are about to say, we judge the heck out of the disciples for how dare you think of Jesus that way. But let's be honest. Have you ever been in the middle of a situation and been like, God, where are you? 
But don't be judging these 12. Well, they should have known better. Jesus already got them out of a bunch of storms. It don't matter how many storms you've gotten out of. And you can steal every time something new pops up. You're like, oh, where was Jesus at when this happened? How'd you let that happen? No, 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 no. So the disciples woke Jesus up and said, Master, Master, Jesus, Jesus, we're sinking. They weren't sinking. They're still floating. Like, I think you're not going to, like, I think if they were sinking, Jesus, the water would have woke Jesus up at that point. You know what I'm saying? But anyways, this is, you know, we, we over, we overanalyze our situations that we're in. We make them worse than what they really are. Like when we go tell our stories, you know, it's like our bad stories are almost like fishing stories. You know, my fish was this big, but we caught one this big. You know what I'm saying? Like we over-exaggerate our circumstances. Master, master, we're sinking. Don't you cut, don't you care that we're going, going to drown? I love this next part. Jesus didn't even address their, like, anyways. Yeah. With great authority, Jesus rebuked the howling wind and surging waves, and instantly they stopped and became as smooth as glass. As smooth as glass. Christ has all authority to calm the storm, the storms on the path you're on, whatever situation you're in. But here's the good news. Is that same authority that Jesus has now resides in you. When Jesus was baptized, what did it say? That the, the Holy Spirit would now reside in him. And now as a Christian, as a believer in his will, it says that we are empowered by what? The same Holy Spirit. You have the same authority. See, let's, let's be honest though. We've heard it said all of our lives that the safest place to be is in the middle of God's will. You with me? And that's the biggest lie. Because if you're in the middle of God's will, Satan's going to throw everything he can at you to get you to, to get you not to get to where his destination is for you. He'll try to throw everything at you to distract you and discourage you. He'll throw family situations up. He'll throw addictions up. He'll throw whatever it is that you're struggling with. He'll throw it in your face to try to distract you from getting and, and oppress you from getting to the destination he has to remember. He said, we have to get to the other side of the lake. He's going to throw every storm at you that he can. But the good news is this, that Jesus has authority over the wind and the waves of, of your life, and, you, and so do you. And so do you. This is exactly what I was talking about last week when I said that faith doesn't increase God's power. It increases your capacity to receive from God's power. Power's there. Like he, his power doesn't fluctuate on our belief or not. You with me? But having faith in what and oh, in, in, in his power gives us the potential to tap into that. For some of us, it's time for us to take authority over the atmosphere that we're in. To walk up in that place and go, "You ain't welcome here anymore, Satan." They're gonna know about all that. I don't know if I can take. Dominion over over my circumstances. Well, I think he's pretty clear in Luke 10 when he says, Now you understand that I have imparted to you all my authority. Now, either Jesus is telling the truth here or he's a liar. And it's clear, the Bible's clear that God is not a man that he should lie. So when he says, I have imparted to you all my authority, you have all of his authority. It's just time for us to have faith and walk in it. Now you understand. 
And I have imparted to you all my authority, and I love this, authority to do what? To trample over his kingdom. His, his notice is not capitalized, so that's not talking about God's kingdom. Whose kingdom is he talking about? Satan's kingdom, the darkness in this world. Darkness in your life. You have authority to trample over his, over his kingdom. You will trample upon every demon. How, which demons? All of them. Every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. He has no power over you except for the power that you give him. If you went, leave a window open, guess what? He's crawling in. If you crack the door, he's opening that thing wide up. But you have power to overcome that. Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in this what? Authority. Authority that he has given to us. You have untapped power in you from Christ who dwells in you and can take control of your life. The story goes on. It says this. Then Jesus said to them, why are you fearful? So notice, he calmed the storm for them, but he turns around he addresses their fear. His fear should never have a hold on us because we belong to him. Have you lost your faith in me? Shocked and shaken, they said with amazement to the one another, who is this man who has authority over winds and waves that they obey him? They obey him. So the question becomes, why did the storm arise? We're going to read here in a minute. They're on their way to this city called Gadara. And Gadara is a, really a demon-run set of cities. And their main god or their false god is Zeus and other little smaller fake deities that were that they believe controlled storms and winds and you see what I'm talking about? So Jesus knew he had to get to Gardia. In fact, it says this, as soon as they stopped ashore on the eastern side of the lake in the land of the Gerasenes, the disciples were confronted by a demon-possessed madman from a nearby town. Many times he had been put under guard and bound with chains, but repeatedly the the many demons inside of him had thrown him into convulsions, breaking his shackles and driving him out of, the ta- out of the town and into the countryside. He had been demonized for a long time, and it was, he was living naked in a cemetery among the tombs. The city still exists today, by the way. On the southeast corner of the Sea of Galilee, Gardia. It was a special city for this reason. It was the main hub for a, a, a group of ten cities that they called the, the, the Decapolis, which comes from a, the Greek word deca, meaning ten. It was a collection of ten cities that was filled with Gentiles and, demo, and dominated by pagan worship and false idols. It was a region filled with unbelievers. It was a territory harassed by demonic entities. It was a land void of the gospel, which is why... It was so important for Jesus to go there, not only to set this man free, but to try to set the cities free. Now hear me. Notice what Jesus did. He stepped, what? Out of the boat onto the land. Because you don't have authority in the land until you are willing to step out on that land. 
God cannot heal and deliver and restore something that you keep hidden. Like, he knows about it. It's not hidden from him. But until you are willing to lay it out flat, bare in front of him. You don't have authority in the land. You don't have authority over the darkness in your life until you address it. Are you willing to step out onto that land? Are you willing to address the thing that you keep hidden? Because that thing that keeps you hidden is the exact way that Satan's getting into your life. That sin in your life that you keep hidden, listen, Jesus knows about it, but it's, it's a window in which, have, in, which, in which Satan gets in and his demons get in. Think I'm lying? He goes on to say, when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and screamed out, what are you doing here? So even the demons before Jesus even addressed who he was knew exactly who he is. And Satan knows who you have on the inside. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and screamed out, What are you doing here? You are Jesus, the Son of the Most High God. And Jesus commanded the demons to come out of him. And they shouted, We beg you, don't torture us. The presence of Jesus, the presence of Jesus, torments every devil in hell just his presence that's why I asked when we were singing that song is his presence enough because if you're in his presence demons have to flee they can't they are tortured just by the fact that you're in his presence when he saw Jesus he fell to his feet and screamed out what are you doing here go what are you doing here? You're Jesus, the Son of the Most High God. Jesus commanded the demons to come out of him. And they shouted, we beg you, don't torture us. And Jesus asked the man, what is your name? He said, Mom, or some translations say Legion. Legion just means that's a bunch. He was bad, bad off, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> bad, bad. Jesus asked the man, what is your name? Mob. The demon answered, we are a mob, for there are many of us here in this man. We beg you. Isn't it funny that the demons just beg Jesus? Please. Please, please, don't banish us to the bottomless pit. Don't banish us back to hell. Because even they know it's a bad place to be. Jesus plays a little trick on me in a second. On a hillside nearby, there was a large herd, a large herd of pigs. And the demons played with Jesus. Just let us enter into the pig. And here's the thing you know about this uh, this city: is the city made it. These cities made their money off of the sale of pigs, which Jewish people didn't need at that time. Now listen, I love me some bacon and sausage, y'all. So I'm just glad I'm not Jewish. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I love pork. But here's the thing: Jesus agrees to do this. Because here's the deal, but just as this city relied on the income that came from those pigs, he wanted them to rely on him. Same thing with us. He may cause the very thing that you think is important in your life to leave. 
so that you can totally rely on him. And we'll see that the city got mad at him, but we'll see that in a second. But anyways. So Jesus ordered all the mob of demons to come out of this man and enter the pigs. The crazed herd of swine stampeded over the cliff into the lake and all of them drowned. And here's why this is important. Because if, if evil spirits, uh, demons, they have to have something to, this, to possess to be able to cling to. And when these pigs died, they were banished back to the very place that Jesus, they begged Jesus not to send them. Well, Jesus ordered the mob, demons, to come out of this man enter, and enter the pigs. And the, the crazed herd of swine stampeded over the cliff and the, into the lake, and all of them drowned. When the herders ten, attending the pigs saw that what had happened, they ran off in fear and reported into the nearby town and throughout the countryside. When the people of the region came out to see for themselves what happened, when they came to where Jesus was, they discovered the notorious madman totally set free. And much like me and the religious leaders of the day, they didn't really, they were shocked, but they didn't really celebrate. I think that's what church culture has lost, that when a person is set free, we've stopped rejoicing. They came where Jesus was, they discovered the notorious man, man, totally set free. He was clothed, speaking intelligently, and sitting at the feet of Jesus. They were shocked. Then eyewitnesses to the miracle reported all that they had seen and how the demonized man was completely delivered from his torment. After hearing about such amazing power, the townspeople became what? Frightened. They didn't rejoice. They didn't celebrate that the man was set free. They were frightened by the power that Jesus had. And I think many in church world today is frightened by the power that we can have in Jesus. The power that we have in the Holy Spirit. See, I was taught the majority of my group of Baptists born. You with me? If anything weird, anything spiritual, it was wrong. And it wasn't until the last couple of years, as most of y'all know, that God's totally started shifting. Really shifting my theology. That's a whole other story. Listen, there's nothing scary about pursuing the gifts of the Spirit and pursuing the Spirit. But soon all the people of the region of the Gerasenes and the surrounding country begged Jesus to leave them where they were gripped with fear. And Jesus, if you don't want Jesus, guess what? He'll, he'll leave you alone. He'll leave you alone. But Jesus got into the boat intending to return to Galilee but the man who had been set free begged Jesus over and over not to leave saying let me be with you let me be your disciple here's the thing Jesus didn't need a 13th he needed a, he needed a preacher to go preach to these 10 cities about what it looks like to be set free why? remember I said these 10 cities were played with what? demonic entities they were played with them. they they needed the message that freedom was there they needed the enemy can only be defeated by what the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony but the man who had been set free begged Jesus over and over and over not to leave saying let me be with you and Jesus sent him away with these instructions 
return to your home and your family and go to where you live, work, and play. Return to your home and your family and tell them the wonderful thing God has done for you. So the man went away and preached to everyone who would listen but the amazing miracle Jesus had worked in his life. You have the same authority you know, count the counter darkness. And I'm going to pause just for a second because I haven't decided if I was going to post the story or not because, you know, some people freak out, which I'm not too worried about, but it's just kind of like, you know, y'all get it. Sunday sermon, those that were here, I said, hey, I need you guys to be praying for us. That we had a meeting that day at 2 o'clock last Sunday. And just to kind of give you a backstory. Um, most of y'all know I work at Southdale Middle School on the restorative liaison there. I basically deal with all the bad behavior there. All right? So if I know your name, it's probably not a good thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh, so we started the school year. And I noticed, I did notice this guy um, walk in. He's a new teacher, seventh grade math teacher. And I noticed, I mean, there's something that's not right. I don't know what it is, but luckily I'm over the behavior of seventh grade this year, so I'm sure I'll be able to talk to him at some point. The day before students were to arrive, he resigned from his position. And I was like, great, now we're out of math teacher. So the next day, Tony Fairbanks, some of y'all know who Tony is. He's come and played drums for us a couple times. You know, his longer hair kind of looks like uh, John Wick. That guy. Um, it's half day of school for kids, and right after kids, I'm at the back of my desk trying to eat my lunch, and he interrupted me. He runs in and goes, Hey, no sad person's name. You quit? And I was like, Yeah. He goes, Listen, me and him got really connected. All week he's been messaging me, and he feels for the last 10 years he's been possessed by a demon that he cannot, he cannot keep a job. He, he, uh, he, he, he's now ha- he's having to live with his mom. His mom's having to take care of him. And he's just like, he, this, he just can't, he can't do anything. It's like, he can't keep a good job. And, and I was like, why is this my thing? <laughs> you know? <laughs> why is this the thing that keeps coming to me? Like, cause it seems like ever since I've been on this new journey, like that aspect of things have been drawn to me. It's a little bit like, God, I, I don't know if I'm strong enough for this yet. Like, why can't it just be like, hey, you're going to pray in a prayer language? Like, why couldn't it just be that first? Let me get warmed up. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I was talking to Tony, and Tony's like, man, I just don't know if I have the faith to, to count this because he's asking for deliverance. He's asking to be set free from whatever this is. And I just told him, I said, dude, Tony, listen, if this is real, if what he's saying is real, Mark is clear that through the power of Jesus in us, we have the power to cast out demons, heal the sick, do those things. The things that I used to preach ceased. You know what I'm saying? That God's totally changing my thoughts on. Well, has changed my thoughts on. And Tony's just like, I'm like, I know that, but you know, you know my background. Like, you know my background? <laughs> okay. I get it. So he goes, I just don't know if I can do it by myself. I said, okay, how about this? 
He said, why don't you see if he will come? You drive down to the church at Sunday at 2 o'clock. Because that's kind of like, I kind of want to protect you all just in case, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I said, well, why don't you bring him down here, bring him to see if he'll come to church with you at 2 o'clock. And so about 3.30, I'm walking out the door, and Tony, I see Tony. And he goes, hey, he said he'll, he'll come with me at 2 o'clock on Sunday. I said, cool, 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 cool. So I've been like this little, aunt. I was amped up all week and kind of like, you know, like, okay, God, I need you to show up. This is real. I need you to show up. <laughs> you know? And I remember me and Ju- it was me, that's Justin, my brother, who's not here today. He's slacking. He's in Washington, D.C. I told him you better pray while he's walking the streets, while he's there. You know what I'm saying? I don't care which side you're on. They both they both need prayer. Okay? Say it. We just need Jesus to come back. Uh, okay. Let draw some drink on. Anyways, so me and Justin were here. We're, we stayed at the church. We're like, we're asking how they're talking. On the way to church last Sunday morning and really all afternoon, I'm just thinking, I mean, if this is real, do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? So I'm going to step over here. This story is not about me. It's not about Justin. It's not about Tony. And it's really not about the man. It's about Jesus. Okay? So I'm saying, I mean, do I have what it takes? Are they really going to show up? Am I going to get a message from Tony saying, hey, he backed out from God? What it, do I have what it takes? We had four chairs set up in a circle right, right here. Better be careful. Like, Mark's like, why am, I, why am I sitting right here? <laughs> like right here. Sitting in a circle, and I'm, I'm sitting over here. The guy's sitting here. Tony's here, Justin's here. I started asking him questions. He's just like, tell me the story they told Tony. The last 10 years, I've not been held, held down a job. I've not been able to. I, like, it's just it's crazy. Like, this, like, the stuff that he's went through. I feel, he goes, I feel like there's a spot in my brain. Like, I just can't, like. And I was just like, just for your curiosity, I said, has this spirit gave you a name? Because what does Jesus do? What is your name? And he first said his name. And I said, no, 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 not that name. Not your government name. <laughs> he goes, not your government name. He said, what name has the Spirit given you? I'm just, just tell you about his countenance for a minute. I asked him one of the questions I asked him. I said, how old are you? He said, 37. So you're older than me. And he looked like he was 60. His skin was red. Like he looks like somebody who had has drank for 47 years and their liver, their liver is failing. You know what I'm saying? He's shaking like this and you can almost literally see the steam coming off of him. And I said, what's your name? Your other name. Not your government, your other name. What name? And he said, Bell and Lilith. And most of us know about Bell because we talked about that a couple weeks ago, right? The one that they child sacrificed to and probably, you know, and but Lilith, I don't know about you, but it's a tormentor of children. So I'm kind of like, I'm kind of glad that didn't quite work out yet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? With the school, because it could have been bad. But this is, this is his words. He said, I'm screwed, aren't I? And I said, no. No. So I said, hey, dude, let's just, the three of us, lay hands on you and pray. And when I tell you the moment that we put hands on him, no. Talk about we it got scary, but we weren't scared. 
he starts in this demonic language, speaking 100 miles an hour, and I'm sitting there going, oh man, this is, this is real. It was going 100 miles an hour, like, you know, just like the Father, the Holy Spirit gives you, a, gives you a prayer tongue, it was like this, you could tell this was demonic. If you know anything about me, you know, four years ago, I'd have said, you're crazy if you were telling me this story. You with me? Like, I preach cessation theology. And every once in a while, you, it would snap out of that language. and say, I'm not letting him go. I'm not. So I got the oil. I anointed his way. It just went even crazier. But he felt like he was 200 degrees. Tony starts reading scripture over him. Justin's prophesying over him. I come around to the front of it, and I'm, and I'm on my knees right here holding his hand. His hand, his head's down, and I'm praying, and I'm, but I'm keeping my eyes open. If he gets shifty, I want to be able to be able to move, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, it's like I get punched by kids every day at school. I don't want to get punched by somebody like a demon. I don't want to fly through that wall, you know? I don't know what will happen. And you remember my prayer on the way to school? I'm on the way to church today, and what I've been praying all like, do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? Not like he's in that demonic language with his head down. And all of a sudden he goes, You don't have what it takes. But I had never felt more bold in that moment. I looked at him and I said, You're right. I don't have what it takes, but I know who does. And in the name of Jesus, I bind you and cast you out of this man back into the pit of hell where you belong. I want you to be careful of that offering bucket back there in the back because it was sitting right over here. He turned and threw up in a bucket a bunch of phlegm and his whole countenance changed. He looked like a 37-year-old man. And in amongst all this, he prays, God, I plead the blood, I accept the blood of Jesus. And I say, listen, you know, listen, we're here. Baptistry is set up. Maybe this is the reason that why we've had the baptistry set up all. So we went over here and baptized him, and a man was set free last Sunday at 2 o'clock. <laughs> because, and this, like, again, it's not about three of us, it's not about that man, but here's the deal there is authority walking in Jesus' name. And to give you a, a side note on this, he, one of the things afterwards that we sat around and talked, we talked a little bit, he was like, I just want to be able to take care of my mom. I want to be able to hold a good job. I don't know if I'll ever be able to get back in the school system again. Well, Monday afternoon, I haven't heard much after this. Monday afternoon, he messages Tony and goes, I just got a phone call wanting an interview at a school. Because we told him, God has you. You'll be able to take care of your mama and take care of yourself. So I'm here to tell y'all, let God mess up your program. Let God mess up your program. And watch what he'll do in your life. Talk about being in a scary moment. But it was, like, it was weird. Like it was scary, but we weren't scared. There's power in the name of Jesus to cast out every demon in hell. So I'm going to put every demon in, on notice. Like, if this is the thing that Jesus has for me, personally, well, listen, I already said, God, if this is what you have for me, bring it. Let me fight every demon in hell. If it saves one person from hell. So, 
So y'all know that I'm praying there. So if it gets a little crazy in here at some point, <laughs> just know I got you. Well, I don't got you, but God got you. You know what I'm saying? You just be prayed up, read up, and be ready to fight too. It's just like Chris Gardner, who came and preached a couple weeks ago, said, God's got a plan for this place. Whether it's here, somewhere else, something's about to break here. And I believe this is going to be a place of deliverance. Delivered from addiction, demonic, whatever. This will be a place of deliverance. And maybe the shaking that we've experienced from people leaving, maybe, maybe that is the reason. Because we need people here that's spirit-filled, ready to go. Again, we're at war. And now the war has come to our turf. itch <laughs> better be prayed up fed up Satan's gonna Satan's gonna come after us come after you but you gotta be ready and I'm gonna ask that you pray for me cause I'm still like I have no clue what I'm doing <laughs> other people tell you what's it like pastor in church I don't know just don't tell my don't tell my church that cause I don't wanna be fired I don't know what I'm doing half the time Just be ready. Let God mess up your program. We got one more week of this series next week. And maybe next week somebody's program's gonna get messed up. I don't know. Came close to go ahead and doing Joshua next week. Started studying in the book of Joshua, but God said, just do it one more week, one more week. So I'm gonna do it. Because I kind of feel like somebody's deliverance is gonna happen next week. Just me speaking that out. So that y'all guys know what's in my heart. To God, we want to thank you so much that you are a God who gives us the authority to, to counter darkness in this world. God, I pray that as we walk into war, that we are equipped with your spirit. Whatever we need is filled up. You, even when we feel unqualified to do this, you are the one who qualifies us through your spirit. God, give us boldness and courage where we need boldness and courage. Give us discernment where we need discernment. Whatever gift you have for us to operate in to, to counterreact with the darkness in this world, may you give it to us. And may every demon in hell be on notice. You are not going to step foot in my war. You're not going to have my family. You're not going to have my friends. Just as Liz prayed for the sermon, whatever there's a demon stronghold here that is that needs broken, God may you not bind that spirit up now and cast it back to hell with the rest of them. Join the mob that's down in hell. And I pray all this in your name. Amen.